not going to preach because I'm not a preacher. I'd like to bring a word to you, an encouraging word. A lot of you are looking up here saying, oh, man, we're in trouble now. Both pastors are gone. And this, this guy's up here speaking. And uh, I admit when it came to me this morning, like 8.30, I thought, Lord, what in the world? But there's been a message in my heart burning for months that I, I've been praying. I'd, I'd just like to speak this to somebody besides Gina and my kids. So I guess uh, I'm going to take this opportunity. I just ask you to pray in your heart that you can receive what I believe is, is God's word for this hour. About three years ago, I was praying down there in the Life Center like I do most of the time. Y'all know I'm not a preacher, so I don't know all the protocols and all that kind of stuff. I, I've taught children and youth most all my life, so a lot of times I talk to you like you're a 16-year-old. That's because I mostly who I taught are eight years old, 12 years old. But I was down in the life center playing, praying. And when you pray, after you pray and worship, you need to just sit quietly before the Lord. You know, just sit and say, Lord. You know how hard it is to get a blank mind when you're trying to hear the Lord? It's amazing. No wonder Peter said, reinforce the loins of your mind because it's like a runaway team of wild horses trying to go in different directions. But I've learned to do that. And so I sat there and I said, you, it's time you speak. You speak now. And I heard it so clear and it, it it really did something to my prayer life and my life in general. He said, ask me what time it is. What is it time to do? And it kind of surprised me because I thought, I, I never, I didn't expect to hear that. What do you mean? I kept, so I've prayed for three years now. Lord, show me what time it is, both in my personal life or in the life of the church. Or in the life of the nation. See, in David's time, there was a tribe, one of the 12 tribes called Issachar. And the Bible says about them, they knew the times and seasons. God had given them an understanding, a revelation of the times and the seasons. And they knew what Israel should do in that time and that season. Well, then the Trump presidency came. And the poor man began to be attacked when the first day was in office and conflict in the nation began to, to come up. So I thought, well, it, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely see a different season coming, Lord. And I know, I know what you mean now. Pray about what time is it to, and even in a personal life, what, or what is it time for me and my family to do? Or in the church life, what's it time for the church to do? In the nation, we should always pray, Lord, show me what time it is. Darla, thank you. You can see. And so I began to watch conflict unfold in the political world when President Trump was elected. And it intensely kept going and worse and worse and worse. And I thought, well, like, I'll, I'll definitely pray about that. But what is it time for the church to do, Lord? What is it time for me and my family to do? And then about the second year, about 2018, I guess, conflict began to erupt in, the, in, in all kind of arenas. 
And then you know what happened in 2019 and 2020. It just escalated. And then I knew for sure. I know more today now than ever what the Lord was saying is Christians need to wake up to what time it is and what's going on. And the war between good and evil has always existed, hasn't it? The apostles saw a lot of it. Jesus, poor Jesus, when he just came on the scene, he caused warfare. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were fairly, life was fairly calm before Jesus came. And, and the poor man, he's not a poor man. I've I got to get rid of that. Don't I? But Jesus didn't go attack anybody. He just spoke truth and lived truth and was truth. And it stirred up the powers of hell so much that groups of people began to attack him, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, other jealous Jews. I don't know who, who all. He he didn't take the battle to them. It just came because he exposed darkness, didn't he? I believe with all my heart the battle has escalated and came out. Of, it's, it's come out in the open in the last four years more than ever against the church. And, it, and it's, it's an age-old battle. Here's the difference. For all my lifetime, we've had fairly godly leaders And life was fairly calm. And a few years ago, leaders in Congress began to change. Leaders in, there's a, be- there's a wonderful, wonderful teaching lesson out there called the Seven Mountains of Influence. Y'all, this was revealed to some Bible teachers six or seven or eight years ago. And it's awesome. Now, I can't even name them all, but education, the church, government, finances, the family, that's five of them, I can't remember. So the, the enemy has tried to take over these mountains of influence heavy in the last 10 years. Can you see that happening? Because the devil's smart. So there is, there is a war that's escalated that the church has to wake up to. Because if the, if the church, in the days of Goliath, there's a Goliath standing out there saying, I'm going to change your laws. I'm going to silence the church. I'm going to win. And that Goliath is an anti-Christian mentality in in rulers within the nation. Well, can you imagine some of the people in Israel not hearing about the battle? uh, I don't, yeah, things are pretty calm, Joe. What do you think? Well, I hadn't heard anything. All the time there was a Goliath standing on the field out there. I think that the Holy Spirit is trying to open the eyes of the church and wake the church up to the battle that is right in front of us now, brought to us. We did not attack the people that want to change our laws. And you, I'm not going to go into all those. You, I can just give you a summary. You know the, the three big things that are trying to, ch- the government's rulers have been trying to change for years. And they've been stopped by Christian and, and, and patriotic congressmen for t- all my 30 years. They just said, no, we're not, we're not going there. All of a sudden, about 10 years ago, it was like the members of Congress began to change because ungodly leaders came into the nation. And you know that I call them the big three is abortion on demand. Even if you're 14 years old, there's a proposal 
You don't have to tell your parents to get an abortion. abortion. Late-term abortion. The other one is uh, all the homosexual agenda is stronger and stronger and stronger. Mr. Biden, when he was running, and his health, advi- uh, his health cabinet member now is a transgender man. But they said during the campaign, they said, we want f- such freedom and they call it health for, for children, psychological health. We want to be able to have an eight-year-old ch- change their gender. And the government pay for it. And, of course, the other number three of the big three is pulling back support from Israel. Many, many government leaders now feel like that's the wrong thing to do. We're, we're, just, we're just helping a country who's oppressing other Middle Eastern nations. We know what God feels about Israel, don't we? We know how the Lord feels about those three major things. There's more. But church, we're in a war. And the enemy has brought the war out into the open. Goliath is standing on a field out there, not hidden anymore, but many, many people in the church, I don't think, are still awake to the battle. If left unchallenged, our laws would change within, within four years. Left unchallenged. But I want to bring you some encouraging news that has excited me. I believe it's time, another thing it's time to do, I believe the Lord is waking the church up. And I believe a sleeping giant is arising. In 2020, I've never seen such so many powerful men and women of God. Now, let me, let me say this. Let me back up. A lot of, I used to think, well, Lord, four or five years ago when the evil started, I thought, Lord, I, where are you in this? All I, all I see is darkness. Looks like it's winning. And then the Lord reminded me something. That's because you're watching the big five news networks who only report What's anti-Christian? So I was not seeing the total picture. I, I've never been a big fan of YouTube and Facebook. I, I've told Gina for years, I don't, I don't have time for this stuff. I don't want to watch the news. But the Lord led me and said, well, wait a minute. I've got my people on there. Don't, you want to see my people in action? So I began to, about three years ago, I prayed, Lord, show me men and women who are hearing your voice in the secret place and have a have a word for this hour, for what time it is. And he's led me to se- several of those. And it's been the most encouraging thing. Now I see what God is doing. I see how a giant is rising up in this hour to fight against the evil with a powerful anointing. Now I, I saw the interview of a 33-year-old man and woman in, in New York who lived in New York three, uh, two years ago when all the violence was started breaking out in the streets and all the uh, killings and the protests and burning buildings and all that. This this 33-year-old couple, worship leaders and lived in New York, sp- spoke to her in a secret place. We we need to spend more time in the prayer, don't we, in the secret place. Spoke to her. I think her name is, last name is Green. I can give you the t- awesome testimony. And said, move to California. I want to do a work in the darkness. In the middle of the dark. Her, and her husband moved to California and started going to church at Bethel. We get a lot of our, our my, I've read the pastor and the t- Holy Ghost Church, big, biggest one in California, one of the biggest one. They got several other spirit-filled leaders together and said, she told them the vision, said, the Lord wants us to go into the rioting, into the darkness, and have worship services. Some of you have seen this on the Internet. Thirty-somethings, 
Now, here's what Jesus did. New York and California have been the most evil states in the nation for years. But here's just the beauty of Jesus. And the devil's been after young people for, for decades, hasn't he? And he seems to have captured the 20s and 30-year-olds. A lot of them, when they're 20 years old, they leave the church. But here's the, the beauty of Jesus. He says, devil, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from the wicked way, I will heal the land. You can add to that and say, I will raise up the very people that you're trying to get, and I'll turn them into ministers and, and, and fireballs for my kingdom. So he took m millennials, 33-year-olds. They went to California to these, met with these churches, and then about 150 of them, mostly below 40 years old, got together and said, let's go. Then the governor ch closed down the churches, said, you can't have service. They said, oh, what do we do about this? They got together and said, Sunday morning we'll have service on the beach, Huntington Beach, California, right by the water so we can baptize people. 1,000 people showed up. About 50 got baptized. Every Sunday it began to grow. It got up to about 6,000 people on the beach. The church went outside the building and used millennials to do it. Then they said, hey, there's rioting in Portland, Oregon. Let's go have worship services during the riot. So they went up there to Portland, and the rioters started throwing things at them. One guy took Elmer's glue or something poured on the keyboard, so they had to stop playing. So they said, well, just keep on just play your guitar. We'll just keep on singing anyway. They threw rocks at them, and they worshiped, and they worshiped, and they worshiped, and they worshiped. Hundreds of the rioters broke down, cried, went over there and said, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. So then they went to Seattle and did the same thing. They went to New York and did the same thing. Wherever they saw riots breaking out, they went into the darkness. Not, and not just this group, other groups did. Can you see the beauty of Jesus? At last count, at last count, over 10,000 people have come to Christ in a year and a half. From 10,000 people from the, from the millennials that the devil's trying to destroy from New York and California, the worst states in the union for Christianity. And Jesus just says, let me raise you up. Let me raise up my army to confront Goliath. We're not going to see our laws change. We're going to see them change back to where the Constitution was built on this right here. If my people, but here's, here's, here's what else the Lord straightened me out. I've been praying. I, I, I never wanted to get into this stuff. But the Holy Ghost kept saying, you need to wake up. And you need to help wake up other people. Because I want to do a work in the midst of this darkness. And the, the beauty of this is, it's going to wake up the church, the sleeping giants. It's already waking me up. God is so beautiful. He wants to confront darkness wherever it's at. There was a man that I've read his book for 20 years, so I, I trust him. He had a vision four years ago. He said, and he, he's a man that prays, and he knows a lot of senators and things, and he's in Carolina, the Carolinas. They come to him sometimes and say, Brother, get your church praying for me. I've got to make critical decisions. The Lord showed him four years ago. It's like a big TV screen. He said, he showed him the American Revolution War. He showed him the Civil War. 
just like a screen passing by. He showed him the, the civil rights movement in the 60s. And the Lord spoke to him and said, every one of these wars did not have to take place. They took place because evil men from darkness tried to rise up and over, overthrow my church, my people, my plans, my purposes. And he said, I had to raise up a people to fight. And the Lord told him this. He said, this is, this is what he said. I'm just telling you what he said. I, I feel a witness to it in my spirit. He said, civil war is coming to America. Five years ago, civil war is coming to America, and it's inevitable. It won't do any good to pray to stop it. He said, but in the end, my purposes will be accomplished. I love that, don't you? And so you think, well, why would God allow war? And, and, and he, he said, he said, it, he didn't mean a war with bullets and planes and tanks. Now I see what he meant. I think it's a, it's a war over laws, changing laws to silence the church. So the church won't occupy the seven mountains of influence. The church won't be powerful, Rachel, in the school. The church won't be powerful in the banking industry. The church won't be powerful in the business place. The church won't be powerful in the church services or in the family. But they'll be silenced, restricted. That was the devil's plan. But the Lord, nobody likes to put on the battle armor. But we have to go out every day with the armor of God, don't we? But church, this is a winnable battle. And the beautiful part about this battle, I believe so strong, Joel chapter 2 is, is, is the answer. The Lord gave me a dream two years ago, and I was praying about all this stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to read it, but I just quote it to you. You've heard it before. He says right in the, in, in the Scripture, chapter 1, verse 5, he said, wake up. Wake up and look around. And see all the bad things that are happening. He calls them drunkards. I don't think the Lord is calling us drunkards today. I think he's saying we can be drunk on the cares of life. We can be drunk on distractions. So if we know that if we're awakened to this battle that we're in for Christianity, Here's what the end result is. Not only is it winnable, it's, I believe it's going to bring the greatest revival that the nation's ever seen. And like, like, like all through the Scripture, when evil attacks God's people and God's people rise up and win the battle, they even get the spoils of war. When David was a, attacked, one time, and all of his mighty men, they went out on a mission. They went out on a mission to defeat the enemy one day. And the enemy, another enemy had come in and kidnapped their wives, a place called Ziklag. You've heard the story. Kidnapped their wives, their children, their livestock, their gold and silver. David and his 600 men or whatever came back home and found their tents burned, their families gone. And the Bible said they wept till there was no more strength to weep. The enemy had got their family. But David hit his knees. You know the story. David went to the secret place. 
and said, Lord, what do we do now? All, all hope looks lost. With my eyes, Lord, it, it looks terrible. And his, and his soldiers, David's men were about to stone him. But David knew to go to a secret place. And after staying there a while, the Lord spoke to him. He said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Don't you love that? Pursue, David. Pursue the enemy. Because you're going to overtake them and recover everything. And the, so they did. They attacked the enemy. They just recovered all their wives. They, then they even got the spoils from the enemy. David was richer after that experience and more blessed than before it happened. Church, I believe with all my heart that this conflict that's taken place, we're going to reap rich rewards. Not only are we going to keep these laws from being changed and go the other direction, I believe the Lord is going to uncover a lot of the corruption that caused this thing to start in the first place. And that should be our, our prayer. Now, if, we, if, we, if we're awake and we see the battle, what should our response be? What should a church's response be? I, I've prayed about this. I have asking God, give me understanding of the, what time it is. And what happened in 2020 is the answer. Also in Joel, probably lost my place. Also in Joel, chapter 2, verse 12. Here's this response, and here's the victory. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Tear up your hearts. Don't, don't worry about tearing up your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Last year, there was an event put on by Jonathan Kahn and many, many powerful men of God and women of God, nation, national leaders. It was called The Return. And I don't remember how many. Wasn't it like 100,000 people that gathered in Washington that day? Oh, oh, just on the other side of the Washington Monument was, was Franklin Graham with 25,000 people. I'm telling you, I watched a couple of hours of it on TV, Gina and Renee watched six or eight hours of it. It was an all-day thing of preaching and fasting and prayer to return to the Lord. I was making a sandwich when Jonathan Kahn spoke about 11 o'clock. I was trying to, I was just going to eat and watch. The Holy Ghost was so strong from his words, and the Spirit of God hit me so hard, I couldn't even, I couldn't even eat. All I could do was just sob. A, a, I mean, a good crying. A crying like this right here, a Joel chapter 2 crying, Lord, tear up the heavens, open the heavens and come down on our national leaders, on the church. The only way we can win this battle, church, is to get the church woke up, to get the church back to the Lord, to get us back to our first love. So here's the response to this war that Goliath has, has, has they came after us, he he. We didn't, they didn't go after Goliath. Goliath came after them. Here's the response, is to return to him, back to our first love. Like Sister Linda pointed out in her little writing, 
church attendance, or maybe it was last week, remember? Church attendance is down. And, and people might think, well, I, I, I worship God at home just as good. But it's an indication that something has slipped in our life. Because when you, you, if you go back to your first love, also in Revelation it says, do the first works. Remember how, I remember what I was like. I didn't want to miss a church service. I sat under an oak tree for an hour a day and read the Bible in the town I was going to college in. I was so hungry that I, I wish church was every night. I got to return to my first love. And then revival comes to me and my family. You got to return to your first love. We got to return to prayer. So the response that will cause us to win. Now here, here's something else that the Lord straightened me out on. I used to say, God is in control. God is, don't fear, God is in control. Does God control things if the church is not praying? I believe he is in control when the church does Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. That's when Jesus gets in control. In fact, he gives us the control. Church, the response is to return. I, I wish that message would go out. I wish everybody could watch what happened. Franklin Graham and Jonathan Kahn talked after the event and said, did, did, you, did you plan this day, September 25th? Oh, yeah, I planned it seven or eight months ago. They never talked to each other. I'm telling you, it was a day from heaven. It was a day that was ordained by God to turn a nation back to God. Just like in the Old Testament. The battle can only be won by us returning. And that's a whole message in itself. I've been thinking when I talk to people one-on-one, they say, what, 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 how can I return? What do I need to return to? Prayer. Number one, your, your first love. Prayer, the Word of God, church attendance. And here's the big one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to just leave you with my, it's not my opinion, but this is the Word of God. Return to a fear of God. That's a whole message in itself. In fact, Sister Linda, you taught on that many years ago, I think on a Wednesday night. It really stuck with me. Return to a fear of God. What kind of fear? I don't want to be scared of him. No. But he is a God that will not violate his principles. If I violate his principles, I will suffer. The wicked and the, those that reject the Lord and are trying to change our nation, they're not his children. He's, if we pray, he will deal with them in his own way. And he does judge. I've had... Just recently, a Christian asked me, he said, I'm confused about judgment. I see it in the Old Testament, but I don't think it happens in the New Testament. I said, well, Ananias and Sapphira? That was an extreme case, and the Lord doesn't do that. King Herod, the Bible said, because he didn't give God glory, the Lord let a disease come upon him. Church, if we pray, and if we repent, and we return to our first love, the Lord will deal with the, with the lawmakers that are trying to change our anti-Christian laws. He will deal with them. But we can't do it in the energy of the flesh. We have to return. And a healthy fear of God 
will bring blessings on your life. I've seen it a lot in recent years how a lot of the teaching out there is God is He is such a God of love that you you can just about do anything and and hey don't worry about it He's He's loving loving kind Father He's got so much grace and so much mercy that I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I stumble every day I sin every day. Church, that's that's overbalance. That's that's not the balance of the Scripture. The Lord will judge disobedience. He will reward it, obedience, and he will judge disobedience. And if we pray, don't let bitterness come in our heart against the leaders that don't like God's laws because they're, they're, in, they're in leadership in our nation. Don't let bitterness come. The Bible says pray for those that misuse you. If we do that, if we get revival, if we come back to our first love, and then we say, Lord, give us the seven mountains. of Raise up teachers that go into the school system that have anointing. Raise up congressional leaders that have anointing. Raise up people in finance and banking and economy. Raise up people in the family. Raise up men. If we pray and do our part, the Lord will, he already is, but it will accelerate, and this church will be this church is going to be full anyway, I believe. At least eight or nine people have visions of this church being full. It's coming, church. I believe that with all my heart. But we have a part to play. The Lord is waiting on us. So what time is it? To return. To our first love. To prayer. To a healthy fear of God. I'm excited so now I get on YouTube. I don't look at all the negative stuff. I don't look at the at the murders and the, all the the stuff that the five big nations, uh, I mean, networks like report the negative. I don't look at what the devil's doing. But I loved because I watched these revivals across the nation break out. I love because Kenneth Copeland Ministries took his ministry money and raised up two news channels just to inform Christians the truth, the truth. I love what one of them said the other day. There's a panel, sometimes one or two or three or four on a panel. I love what one of the ministers said. I've been watching this guy about 12 years, and he's rock solid. He said, I've never seen the unity among ministers that I'm seeing now. It's like the darkness has driven us together to cooperate together. And I said, oh, wow, that is beautiful. That's powerful. More unity has come. Because of the darkness, because they woke up and said, hey, we've got to join forces. We've got to put aside our petty little differences and have unity. That's all I have. I know that last year there was a lot of returning. I'm telling you, I've, ne I've never seen. I, I love what I saw watching this, this all-day, basically, church service return. The camera, you know, our cameramen are there. They go on the platform, and they go down in the audience. They go, and at one point, Jonathan Kahn knelt down. He said, now it's just time to pray and ask God to forgive us for what we've let our nation do and return to God. And this camera was behind him then and, and panned out and showed the audience. I know that 50,000 people hit their knees. Volunteer, he didn't ask them to hit their knees. And, and there was no music playing at the time. 
And you could literally hear the moans and groans of the crowd. I just wept. <laughs> it broke me down. As far as 50,000 people on their knees crying out to you, surely I know you, that touched your heart. My church, I know that touched God's heart. And he started moving, not just from that service. He's moving. He's doing signs and wonders and miracles. He's returning people to their first love. But we've got to keep returning. You know, you're, you remember what happened in, in 9-11 when the Twin Towers were attacked. The fear of God temporarily came on a lot of people, didn't it? A fear of eternity. And, and the ch a lot of churches grew rapidly. And it looked, like, it looked like there might be a returning of our nation. But what happened after six months, year, two years? All those people went back to, for their old lives. This returning needs to be permanent. America needs to give up some idols, some things that we have made idols out of. I wonder a lot of times, I'm not prophesying or don't even know this for sure, but when I watch the pandemic and I watch sports go down, I watch retail stores go down, I watch the entertainment industry go down, I watch the theaters being closed, I wondered, I thought, I wondered if American Christians have made those things idols and the Lord is maybe showing people, I don't do them anyway, but they're not sinful. But church, we can make anything an idol. Money is not sinful, but it can sure be an idol. People are not sinful. Spouses and relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends, they're not sinful, but they can sure be easily made into an idol where we run to that for our comfort, for our pleasure, for everything, instead of run to Jesus. I thank you for listening. If you just pray with me right now in closing that this nation God's people would keep returning because that's the key to changing our laws to what the Constitution made them because the Constitution is based on this right here. We want to return, don't we? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this nation that you birthed. We didn't birth this nation. You gave birth to our nation. We thank you for the godly leaders that are out there fighting, pushing ahead, and we pray that you would encourage them, encourage your pulpits to stand up and preach to return, return to you, Lord, return to our first love. We thank you for, for what you're doing. We see your hand working tremendously. We know that you're going to work in our community. We thank you in Jesus' name.